Are you ready? Welcome to the Think Millions podcast, a channel where you get an unfiltered, raw, and authentic conversation about the challenges of being an entrepreneur and tips and tricks on how you can scale your business to the next level. If you are looking to scale your business, then you're in the right place. Introducing our host, Alexa Diagostino. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Think Millions podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Alexa Diagostino. Today, I have a special co-host joining me today, the brilliant and insightful COO of our company, Debbie Shannon. I'm like an announcer, Debbie. I know that's, that's, uh, I, that's could, I could totally change my career and be an announcer. That was pretty good. It was pretty good. That's very high. <laughs> I feel very high. You know, I sound good. I, I want to meet me. So yeah. Yeah. Like you're pretty cool. So, <laughs> but today is Debbie's favorite topic. Cause if you listen to us on any other platforms, even this platform, you know, her favorite thing to talk about is cash flow. <laughs> yep. So today we are going to share some valuable financial techniques for nurturing a sustainable business growth, because I think this is one of the few factors. Like I always say people fail to get to six figures or they fail in the first couple of years because of persistence and mindset. But once you start making money and you start even getting to that six figure, part of why I think people fail is cash flow management and, and financial. And it's funny because you know, we've told, I've told this story so many different times about how uh, my father was my COO managing our finances. And then he died and I got stubborn, didn't want to hire someone else. I said, I could do it myself. And we were making a shit ton of money. I don't even know if I'm allowed to curse on here, but I'm going to anyway, we were making a shit ton of money, but like, I had no idea how to manage finances. And literally we hired Debbie and it did two things. One, she was able to come in and actually clean up our cash flow and pay attention to it. But two, it allowed me to then go do what I had to do, which is to sell our company. And we literally tripled our revenue in 90 days. And so that's what's really important to understand is like it's cash flow and finances. Once you build a six figure business can be a huge reason why you fail. And yeah. so you, you have to take it serious. You really do. And I think, and it's hard because it, the numbers don't lie, right? People do. And so it, it's, it's sometimes hard for business owners to really take that cold, hard, brutal look, because the truth of it is, it's if you, if you compare it to any kind of health related analogy, like even like a human, there's vital signs, right? And cash flow is one of those vital signs that you have to watch. It's like the pulse. It's like the heartbeat. You got to know if you have enough oxygen coming into the company to keep it going for as long as you need to until it's off the ground and running. And then you have a steady flow and you can plan around it. But it depends on the life stage of the company. That's why it's important to look at it all the way through from beginning to when you make your multi-millions, you still have to keep an eye on it. Oh, I mean, it becomes even more important. So I know that you have four techniques uh, that you've implemented into our business. And so I want to go over that with all of our listeners to, and this is just the beginning. We're not on, on a podcast episode going to be able to teach you all, all that you need to know to be financially prepared uh, to run a business. But what we want to do is give you four techniques that you need to uh, look out for, uh, maybe hire a CFO or somebody to help. There's fractional CFO services, by the way, that can help you with this kind of stuff. And it's really important. So why don't we jump right in, Debbie? So what's the first important technique that people should really be focused Focusing on, I'm going to say a dirty word, and nobody likes I the word. Uh, nobody likes it is because there's two dirty <laughs> words: goals and budget. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I had a feeling like, that's what you were going to say. Because you know what budget is? It's the accountability process for the goals. Like you, you, you know, we really do. And so we can't say we want to, you know, hit these targets, hit these goals, build this business, hit these numbers and not put a budget together. That's just that we're lying to ourselves if we don't do that. And really people, they really need to see it differently. It's not there to make us feel bad or to feel restricted or kill our creativity or kill our risk, you know, our risk appetite. It's not about that. These are simply guardrails to show us if we're going off the trail when it comes to getting where we're trying to go. So, and it's funny because like a lot of people I've worked with and talked to, I'll say, you know, what's the budget? Well, you know, we're just sort of winging it. I'm like, do you do that at home? Do you just like wing it with your mortgage or do you just like wing it with, you know, wing it? I'm going to wing it. But a lot of people do though. Yeah. A lot of people do. I know plenty of people that don't have budgets. I mean, and it's like so funny. So my wife this morning, because obviously we just moved and everything. And I mean, we're in a fortunate situation where like, we don't really have to budget because we live so under our means. But I'm like, so our expenses are lower because we don't have a mortgage and all this other stuff. And we moved to Florida. I'm like, "Our, our expenses are lower, right? She goes, you know, they're not. We should relook at our budget. And I'm like, ugh. Like, I got like, come on, I don't have time for this shit. But like, she's right. Like, but a lot of people, a lot of people don't, a lot of people have no idea. And then what they'll do is kind of like the same thing with their goals. They'll create a budget and never look at it. No, I I tell you, I learned about this. I mean, back in my corporate days, I mean, even with event management work I was doing for the Disney company, we had it down to like, we, we counted photocopy, like we counted everything when we put the profit and loss statements together around events because each one was its own profit center. So, I mean, a budget is a, is an inversion of a profit statement. Really, if you think about it, it's the way to get to the profit, right? So it's like, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's, let's hit this number, but how am I going to get there? And by the way, it's, it's, it's also like, you know, another analogy, it's like the dashboard on a car. It's giving you indicators. Like you can watch how you're performing against a budget to see if you've underestimated, overestimated, overinvested, overspending, if you're bleeding resources in one area, it's super useful. It's just that people don't like it. It's a clear role. It, it's a clear roadmap for decision-making and yeah. it helps us. This is another dirty word, but it helps us say, stay disciplined. It's kind of like, we talk a lot about getting to the destination and yeah. being in a car, having a GPS, to me, the fi- the financials is the gas. Right. If you don't know how much gas it's going to take to get from your where you are to where you want to go, you're going to run out of gas. And that's yeah. why I keep trying to like running a business. There's so many aspects of it. Like think about how many aspects of a car to get to a destination. People don't think about the complexities of it. So much um, goes on. <laughs> yeah, it just happens. But unfortunately, when you don't pay attention, like if you were not paying attention to your gas in your car, you would run out of gas. Yeah, Same it's, with it's, the business and finances. You're literally on the side of the road. And like you and I just had a, a conversation about this ourselves. Like if some of this is timing, right? That that's why we call it cash. Uh, why it's called cash flow because it's always moving. Cash flow, cash flow, right? Because it's coming in and it's going out. It's coming in and it's going out. Well, there's timing there, especially depending again on the well, life. You're, you're kind of jumping into number two, right? Which is right. cash flow management. I I can't get there fast enough. I'm always. I know it's like, come on, this was two. Okay, so the budget we we covered the budget. They got a budget. budget. So first thing is you have to have a comprehensive budget and stick to it. Yeah, okay, number two, yeah. cash flow oh, management. Cash. Yeah, it, and and this is what the budget will help with too. Is you know it's going to predict 
what you think is going to be your spend and your and your flow in, your flow in and your flow out. So that's what the budget is predicting. And then you get to actually watch the cash and see how you're doing against your budget. So that's and, why that's that's a key part right there is who actually is watching the the cash flow patterns. Who? Well, it depends on the kind of me, but and you, but it depends on, you know, the owner, anybody who's at the leadership of a business needs to be looking at this should be part of the regular reporting, just always have an eye on it. It's, it's not, you know, it's not a death grip kind of moment. It's not like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, my gosh. It's just, there's a, you can sense things. There's a flow to it. It's like a flow. It is, it's a flow. So the other thing is it helps with is timing, right? Because like you and I talked about this the other day, we have, we have, clients on contract, contracts get renewed, they get extended, they get added to, you know, we, uh, most of our clients end up adding services. So, you know, the, the cash flow can go up because they realize how good we are just saying, but the truth is we have to know when, if, if there's a client who's coming to the natural end of our engagement with them, we need to know that because we can't just assume, oh, we're good, we're good, we're good. And then we realize some, you know, maybe a client is ending their engagement with us which again, rarely happens, but mm-hmm. if it does, we need to be ready for it. And so this can inform sales, right? This can inform. And by the way, if you're a delivery service, if you're a service delivery model, like we are, we deliver services, not products per se, our products are our services, then you have to know how to allocate resources. So, so cash flow really is algorithmic in that way. And there is a rhythm to the algorithm. It comes in, it goes out, and you have to know how the, the timing of it, because the other thing you can do is negotiate. Right. Like we have a client who who we've learned a lot about, like, when do you pay your invoices and, you know, negotiating terms. So you have 30 days to pay out or, you know, so on and so forth. And if you have a real sense of the flow, you can negotiate terms for paying suppliers, paying vendors and that kind of stuff. And that helps with uh, with the flow. Yeah. I mean, I also think one important thing that you kind of skirted over, which is really important in cash flow is understanding each expense and where, what client that relates to, because there's probably clients that you have that you don't even realize that you're not making money on, you're losing money. And so Debbie not only is able to manage our cash flow from a high level gross, but also down to the client level, because sometimes there's clients that we're, we're spending too much money on and we have to re either tell them they have to pay more or we have to cut back. And so it's really important to understand that, yeah, there's going to be sometimes on months where you're, where you want to double down because you want to make a client happy and you might lose money. But if you're losing money hand over fist every month on that client, then you might as well lose the client unless they're giving you something else like referrals. Yeah, that's a great point. And that's, that can inform how you negotiate because you can negotiate up too, which is to say like, you know, maybe, maybe if I'm not making as much profit off of a particular client, but maybe they're a strategic partner of some sort, or they can send referrals our way. It's worth it because it drives other revenue unrelated to their account. So having your eye on all that, and again, it depends on the size of the company, how many, if you're a product company, how many SKUs, if you're a service company, how many services, how many packages, how many offers. But I absolutely believe in turning every product, package, service, whatever offer you have into its own profit center. Really take a look at it and know that every margin is not going to be the same. Not all margins are not created equal. So it's okay too, because some of it depends on what you want to do. Like we have a coaching, you know, we have the coaching business. We also have an agency. We recognize the difference between the two. One has a little more like purpose and passion to it. Like we, well, we're passionate about all of it, but we really want to stay in the coaching game because we love helping entrepreneurs get off the ground. We love helping them grow. We love helping them scale, hit their goals, 
see their dreams come true. It may not be the same margin as what you're going to see on an agency, but that's okay. We still keep our eye on it and it helps us plan our growth. Yeah. All right. So let's jump into the last, the last one here. So what, what's the last one in your opinion? Uh, I mean, actually there's two more because there's four. So I lied. So there's, what's the third one, Debbie? Pricing. You got to get your pricing right. I mean, and, and it has to be reflective of your positioning, your offer. It's part of a larger play. It's, it's, part of marketing, you know, marketing is a science and an art all at the same time. And so, you know, people, first of all, it's like anything else, something is worth what the market is willing to pay. So this is why holistically, you've got to be strategic about your approach to the marketplace when it comes to products and offers and pricing. So like, you know, we may think that our house is worth X, but the market may say, well, we say it's worth this. So we really have to be aware of the ocean we're swimming in, the lake we're swimming in, and make sure we we hit that right balance. And the other thing is 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 looking at you know what it's going to cost us to deliver on that. You got to get your pricing right. Well, it's also too. It's well, there's two parts of this, right? It's one pricing enough so you, you don't lose money, like we just said. But I also talked about this in the last podcast episode that you also at the same time have to understand longevity. And one of the things that creates sustainability is long-term contracts. And sometimes, and we do this all the time where we'll have a client that's on a six month and we'll look at the breakdown of the six months that we did with them and say, okay, do we have room to negotiate? Uh, Deb's mentioned negotiation a few times. And maybe instead of 15, we'll charge them 12.5 because we're making 50% profit. It cuts our profit down to 35, but we're going to tell them we want a two-year contract. So now that money is, you're paying for the sustainability. And we've had clients that, We'll just come to us and say, I want to do a 12, 24 month contract without us even having to negotiate because we're good at what we do. But we always keep that in our back pocket because we rather have that long term contract with a client knowing that we have the sustainability. And so always look at your pricing also as a negotiation tactic for a longer term contract as well. Yeah, you flatten that curve, that radical up and down of client flow if you can if you can drive a longer term. And we all know that it's less expensive. Um, the lifetime value of a customer is important because it's less expensive to keep a client than it is to drive a new client. And so absolutely. And then there's always the net present value factors. So if you can if you can negotiate down in the beginning to negotiate for longer term, it's absolutely worth it. And and that's a strategic play. And part of that is knowing your marketplace and knowing what's going to help you win the deal. Right. And so having that negotiation ability is great. You can always start at the 15 and work your way down or you can hit them low from the beginning, not low, but hit them with that lower number and land it for a longer term. And yeah. That, yeah. So let's jump into four. What's yeah, the four? four. Right. So now it's about uh, up until now, it's been working for your money, setting a budget for yourself, being disciplined around it, you know, and looking at like, you know, how you're how you're working inside of your cash flow management, making sure your timing is good and then setting your prices right. Well, now we assume money's coming. You got money flow. You got to invest. So many people don't put their money to work for them. Right. They, they work for their money, but then their money doesn't work for them. And so we're big on making our money work. We love passive income wherever we can find it. And it doesn't always mean like a traditional investment. It can also be, you know, other things, as long as it's lined up with what you're doing and it honors your brand and your focus. But we're big on looking for other ways to put our money to work for us. And by the way, it doesn't always have to be, like I said, it's not a traditional investment. It could be investing in technology. You know, AI is big right now. There's a lot of buzzwords around that. How do we use that to drive efficiencies, to keep our expenses lower and our margins higher? How do we use it to drive more client work? Because 
the most expensive resource is human resource, right? Labor. And so if we're going to bring on more clients, it can mean that our expenses go up and our margins don't move. So we don't necessarily gain from all these new clients. If, if our expenses go up, this is where technology can come in. So efficiencies is one of the things you can invest in, whether it's tech-based, equipment-based, depending on what kind of a, a of an industry you're in. But you can also, by the way, park that cash. Cash, when it's flowing in, sits with us for a little bit, but we keep it flowing. We park it where it's going to make a little money so that it can keep a, you know, a nice swirl to the money, keep the flow, even though it's in a container now. And then when it flows out, it leaves a little more behind for us. So yeah, investment is important. Well, so let's like... Let's spit it out. Let's like spell it out for them, right? Spit it out, spell it out, whatever. So, I mean, it's simple. So in the business we're in, we get large cash deposits, right? So people do advertisements and we'll get a $180,000 check. Now we're not going to use that $180,000 for a couple months. So what we'll do is we'll park that in a four or 5% APR savings account. Now we're, we'll make a thousand fifteen hundred dollars a month off that money while we wait to use it for ads. So that's that's an example of being smart with your money. Let's not just let it sit there and do nothing. Let's actually generate money from that. And so that's exactly what uh, Miss Debbie Shannon's talking about. <laughs> an well, example, one example. There's a couple others, but right, it's fairly new. You know, the markets have shifted, and investment in financial instruments have shifted based on the uh, interest rate shifts in the Federal Reserve. Blah blah blah. And not that a business owner has to keep up with all of that, but these new instruments come on the market and you need to know about it. So it's always good to have somebody, you know, that can advise you on say, hey, did you know there's high interest, high yield savings accounts now available where your money isn't locked up? It's not tied down. You can still access it, but you're going to draw a greater level of interest because the banks aren't necessarily offering it in standard accounts. So if you didn't know these accounts were out there, you'd be missing out, right? So put your money where it makes a little money. Yeah. So just to... Recap. So the three financial techniques we're talking about is comprehensive budgeting, effective cash flow management, strategic pricing, and smart investments. And these form a strong foundation for you to build a sustainable business. So it's important to implement these techniques consistently and also to revisit them. Like a lot of times you forget that you have to build processes and procedures and revisit them. This isn't just financial, this is everything. And this allows you to build that long-term success. So this was just fantastic. Like what a wealth of knowledge you are. So thank you so much for sharing all of this with our listeners. I think they're definitely going to walk away with a ton of value today. So thanks, Debbie. And for everyone listening, if you enjoyed this, please hit the subscription button, share this with somebody else that you think this would be useful for. And if you want more podcast episodes, you can go to thinkmillions.com. Thank you. We'll see you next week. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Think Millions Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate that effort, and we'll catch you in the next episode.